We are beginning from uh, page 134, if you're looking in the book. It's a little bit back from, it's, it's going back a little bit, but since we did have a break for a week, I think we should review just a little bit, um, and hopefully we'll get through this. So we're discussing right now, when is it appropriate to make a bracha? On what do I make a bracha? Which things, which things are, are appropriate for bracha? And maybe we'll even get to tonight some of the things that are that uh, one does not make a bracha on. So let's begin with it. So one of the the main benefit for which a person says a bracha rishona is for achila. He has to be eating something, or really a better translation of the word achila is, <coughs> excuse me, is to consume something. So achila. Let's let's see. Let's try to define that. So achila, as defined by Chazal, as defined by our rabbis, is the, is the consumption of foods in order to give benefit or pleasure to the body. One has to get, one has to gain from it, which means even if it doesn't taste good. So um, what, what was it? Popeye liked to eat Sp- the spinach, right? You have to eat your spinach, right? Even if it, even if you don't like it, but it's good for you, or if you like it but it's not good for you. So, um, uh, uh, you know, some uh, potato chips or, or candy or something like that. Um, those are things that you're going to have to make a bracha. The mere ingestion of foods into the gastric system does not in and itself can constitute achila. Um, if you, the food is fed directly, not via the mouth, um, directly into the system, that's going to be a big shallow whether or not one actually has to make a bracha on that. Furthermore, even eating foods which provide benefit may at times may not be considered achila if they're eaten in an unnatural manner, if you swallow something that's supposed to be chewed, or etc. So we will therefore consider three factors. One, whether the eating provides satisfaction. Two, whether the food is eaten in an unnatural manner. And three, whether the food was eaten for the normal eating purposes Am I eating it for the reasons for which people usually eat food? Well, what do you mean? What, what, what do we mean by that? Where, how do you ever not eat food for the purpose of not eating food? So sometimes you take, uh, specifically, let's let's take for an example, right? You take a glass of water to swallow a pill. So you're you're taking, you're ingesting the food, but not for the purpose of, of what of what food is for no, a normal eating purpose. So to understand whether eating provides satisfaction. Let's discuss that. Let's talk about that. So in halacha, the satisfaction of eating is defined in one of two ways. Either it's the pleasurable sensation one experiences through the actual taste of the food, just tasting it, or the nutritional benefit derived through digesting the food have actually having it go down into the stomach. And the halachic terminology for these two things is, one is called hana'as garon, the, the benefit, the pleasure that one gets in one's mouth or one's throat. That's just from the taste. And while the latter is called hanaos me'ayim, the, the pleasure that one has when one actually consumes it, one actually takes it into, into inside and actually eats it. Now, eating foods which provide either of these benefits suffices to mandate a bracha. But if, however, the food provides neither taste nor nutritional benefit, no bracha would be required. So here's, here's, a, here's an example of something that provides only hanaos garon and no hanaos me'ayim. If you chew gum, you have to make a bracha, right? Because when you're chewing gum, 
the, the, at least they taught me when I was a little kid, you're not supposed to swallow it. It's very bad to swallow. It's supposed to be very unhealthy. It gums up the system. I don't know. Maybe you could choke on it. This is right. There are all sorts of reasons why you weren't allowed to swallow gum, right? But you're chewing it and you're actually enjoying it. You're getting the taste of it. So would you, would that be considered, would that be considered achila? Here's another nafkamina, another halachic, um, significant halachic difference for somebody that does not, uh, for somebody to to not, uh, for whether or not something is considered a consumption. If I'm eating on a fast, will I, am I considered to having broken my fast when I had t- the taste in my mouth or when I actually swallowed it and ate it? The difference being if, let's say I tasted something, let's say I just tasted something and it was a tiny little bit. So it's not enough to give me any, any uh, digest, any, any, any benefit in my stomach but yet it has a good taste. So we find there is a machokas amongst the post, and there is an argument to be made whether or not if you're tasting food, let's say you're cooking for a breakfast and you want to taste the food, you want to know, does it have enough salt? It doesn't have enough salt, right? Do you have to just take it into your mouth and then spit it out? Or since it's such a little bit, you could just, you could just swallow it and not worry about it. That's, that's one, that's a, that's another way of looking at it. So, so um, we have, we have, for our purposes, defined that achila is when there is a benefit either of the garon or of the mei. So beneficial foods would be one who eats either a tasty food which provides no nutritional benefit, or a tasteless food which provides nutrition. Right? For both of those, you would have to make a bracha. Now, the exception to that, the exception to that is water. Water is very unique. Water, among all foodstuffs, water provides the body with neither pleasurable taste. I mean, some people might argue that they like the taste of water. I'm not sure what taste it is that they like because water doesn't have, really water has very little taste at all. I mean, sometimes it has like a metallic aftertaste or something like that, but I don't know if an actual taste of the water um, when there's no other, there's nothing else added to it. It doesn't have much taste, nor, nor does it give normal nutrition. It doesn't really have anything in it, even though the body needs it. Nevertheless, even water requires a bracha since quenching one's thirst is also a form of pleasure, you are getting a benefit. If, however, one drinks water for any purpose other than quenching one's thirst, then no bracha would be required for drinking for drinking from that water. So, for example, if you are drinking water to clear your throat, um, swallow a pill, or to aid in the swallowing of food, so then one should not make a bracha. This, I, I have a big question about this a lot of times. You see sometimes these speakers, right? There's Rabbanim, they get up there and they have a, their glass of water and they make up, you, you know, they pick it up and they, with a lot of kavana, they say, they make a nice bracha. I'm not sure that that really needs a bracha because they're just taking the water. They're just trying, just trying to settle their throat and get themselves ready. Maybe they're thirsty. We have to read down the Makasos. Maybe they're thirsty. Now, one who's in doubt whether or not he recited a Borei Fashos. let's say you 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 ate something, you don't remember, did I make Bracha Chorna? So I'll just take a drink of water and then I can make Borei Fashos on both of it. The answer is with water, you can't do that because in order to facilitate the recital of Borei Fashos, you have to have a Bracha Rishona. And the Bracha Rishona is only if I'm actually thirsty. And similarly, one who is needed for the required quorum of three for a Zimun cannot join them by drinking water because drinking water does not constitute a benefit that requires a bracha. In both cases, since he's, one is not thirsty, one cannot recite a bracha on the water, and consequently can neither recite Borei Nefashos nor join a zimun. 
One who drinks water to aid in digestion. He needs to have more water in his system. In, um, 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 so he has to make a bracha because that's the same as, that's the equivalent of drinking for thirst. However, if he drinks it in order to facilitate urination or movement of the bowels, then that would not require a bracha because he's not actually drinking it for what's inside him. He's drinking it just to get it out. He's just trying to pass it through the system. That doesn't require a bracha. So the above mentioned rules apply to water only. That these, this is, these are all specific to water because water has no other taste and no other benefit, no other pleasure other than quenching my thirst. Therefore, I would not make a bracha on water unless that was my purpose for drinking it. Other liquids usually provide either taste or nutrition and therefore require a bracha, even if one drinks them only to swallow a pill. And similarly, one who is thirsty and drinks water to quench his thirst as well as to swallow a pill would have to recite a bracha because he is doing both. Okay. Um, Yeah. So the following two examples are cases in which the halachic definition of satisfaction and beneficial is further restricted, meaning that it's that it's there's no, the satisfaction in these situations or the benefit the benefit in these situations would be such that it would not mandate or not require that I make a bracha. So, for instance, if somebody drank harmful foods, so the criteria of beneficial foods is judged in terms of the physical satisfaction they provide and not the overall benefit that they may or may not provide. So someone who eats foods that give him pleasure must recite a bracha regardless of any harmful side effects they may have. So for example, here's, here's a great example, a diabetic eating a candy right, or eating sweets so has to say a bracha. Um, the possible harm to his health notwithstanding. But foods which present an acute danger to one's health, however, require no bracha since eating them is actually an avera. That's actually a a sinful act, which we'll get to later when we talk about the things that you don't make a bracha on. So that's actually going to be, you're not being, you are negating the positive commandment that one has to look after one's health and of ushmertim esnafshazechem. And as such, um, you would, you would, uh, you would definitely not make a bracha on such a thing. What about compulsory eating? If I if I have to eat this, even though I don't want it, I'm not hungry, I don't want it, but they're telling me that I have to have food in my system, or I have to, or I have to do, I have to. So although also although we have to find beneficial as the satisfaction of taste or the nutritional benefit, eating an enjoyable or satisfying food is not necessarily a sufficient criteria to determine the necessity of bracha. We have noted that brachas recited on food are brachas hanen in their bracha for pleasure, and therefore any taste or nutritional benefit which is not pleasurable would not require bracha. So, for, so, um, so for example, pleasure imposed upon a person against his will does not require a bracha. Consequently, one who is coerced to eat even enjoyable foods recites no bracha. Um, Um, there is, however, a dissenting view among authorities. Therefore, one who is coerced to eat his fill of bread would have to say Birkas Hamazon because that would be a Suffolk Doraisa, and Suffolk Doraisa we would go Lachumra, as opposed to the Suffolk with a Suffolk on the Bracha Rishona, which is what we have with the, what would come to play is the rule that we mentioned before of Suffolk Brachos Lahakel, 
that one has to be lenient when it comes to a bracha, that when it comes when it comes to brachos, one has to err on the side of leniency, meaning on the side of not saying a bracha rather than saying a bracha when when one is in any doubt. I am I am a, a little bit confused by this halacha, and I'll tell you why. We have a, a um, we have a, a concept that there's something called misasik, um, which means which means that there are some there are certain things that are um, that you can do them without realizing that you're doing them, and you're not considered to have done that actual action. So let me give you an example. Um, uh, a person can walk uh, can walk into can. Uh, that's right. I think a good example of this. Um, the the classical case of misasik is as follows: on Shabbos, if I am, uh, if I am, it is prohibited to dig holes. Whether it's inside the house, it's prohibited because of bona that one is building. Whether it's outside the house, because one is considered being chorish, one is considered to be plowing. Right. Regardless, dig the digging of a hole on Shabbos is something that is prohibited. However, however, if a person dug a hole, not for the purpose of digging the hole, but because they wanted the dirt from the hole, meaning you don't care about the hole, you're just digging, you just want dirt. So you're scooping out dirt, right? And, and, and the byproduct of what you've done is that you now have a hole, right? You now have a hole in the ground. So that's called misasik. With regard to Hilcha Shabbos, it's a special category of exactly how we deal with that. The point that I'm trying to bring out is, is that it's possible to do one action and accomplish something completely different that I had no intent to accomplish. Um, that, that, was not, that was not what I wanted. So, for instance, um, uh, if a person wants to smell a rose, right, you want to smell the rose, and you pluck the rose off the bush in order to smell it, but pluck, let's say it's Shabbos and plucking roses is prohibited, but you're not plucking roses for the purpose of plucking roses. You're only plucking roses because you want to be able to smell it, right? As opposed to wanting to have the rose plucked off the bush. You don't, that's not your intention. There are things that I do that have, that are a byproduct of something else. I can do a certain action that's a byproduct as opposed to the specific action itself. That's called misasik. That's called in the process of doing X, I did Y. There's a lochod when it comes to, um, to to um when it comes to achila when it comes to eating and it comes to a person can't say that i was distracted and i swallowed something and i had no intention of having any benefit from that food that's it's a prohibited food like chalav there's no such thing as misasik in that situation because the gemara says that a person by by his very nature um the benefit that accrues from eating food is there regardless of what I do. So, and, and, and I enjoy it as such, it's hard to understand what he's saying over here, that pleasure imposed upon a person against his will does not require a bracha because ultimately pleasure imposed against your will. If it's actually pleasurable and eating, we assume is almost always pleasurable unless it's making you sick and you want to throw up, but we're not talking about that. We're talking about that you're eating something pleasurable that you didn't really want to eat right now, but somebody forced you to eat it, the pleasure that you get is there anyway. So you should have to make a bracha on that. I'm not sure what he means over here when he says that there's no bracha in that situation. That's that, that To me, it just seems a little, um, I'm not sure. Um, um, 
not sure. In other words, his assumption is based on this. His assumption is based on the reality. I'm getting. I know we're getting a little too technical over here, but the but his assumption is based on the fact that you're being forced to do it. When I'm forced to do it, it's not considered like I did it. You did it for me. You forced me into that. I'm not doing it. Okay, let's leave that for now. But okay, so what, what we have is as follows. The following, we have the following two qualifications with regard to consuming foods. One is if they have foods that are harmful to you, then you would not make a brach on those foods. A food that I'm forced to eat, that I'm not doing the eating, somebody else is forcing the eating upon me, I also would not make a bracha on such on such things where, where um, there would be no bracha on, the, on those types of things. Now, whether the food is eaten in a, in a natural or an unnatural manner. So food which is eaten in a manner other than the normal eating process is not considered eaten. Meaning it's not considered an action of eating. It's called it's called shalom kederach achilaso. Shalom, not kederach in the way achilaso of, of normal eating. So, for instance, taking a pill and swallowing it whole, right? That's shalom kederach achilaso. People don't eat things by swallowing them whole. That's not called eating. The difference that this would make would be. Uh, where this would be very significant would be when a person is, swallows pills, specifically when somebody swallows capsules, perhaps that have non-kosher ingredients in them, so that those capsules are plastic. That's not real food. That's not. That's that's something that's not. Um, it's very relevant in the healthcare in, in the health food industry. People want to take vitamins and other types of things, and they may have stearates and other types of things that are in them. That that becomes questionable if they're necessary for one's health and you have to take them, there could be room to be more lenient because you're not actually considered eating them. Even though you are ingesting them, that's not called a maisa achila, that's not called eating it. And because it's not called eating it, uh, it would also impact whether or not it requires a bracha. So, so this is in accordance with the general halakha principle that anything performed in an unnatural or unusual manner has no halakhic validity. This may be due either to, A, the physical manner in which the food is ingested, either by swallowing it or having it injected into your throat or into your, under your skin or directly into your stomach through a, a feeding tube. The type of food, and the second thing might be the type of food that is eaten, meaning sometimes it's something that's just like a, like a plastic capsule. Eating plastic, that's, there's something not natural about that. Or number three, the person's condition at the time of eating is he conscious or not conscious? Is he capable of swallowing the food? So let's 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 examine these three things: food ingested unnaturally, like uh, intragastric feeding, right? If they put a stomach tube in, they put a feeding tube directly into the stomach. Uh, authorities differ as to whether or not intragastric feeding requires a bracha. Although the food provides nutritional benefit, nevertheless, since it is fed in an unnatural way, it may not require a bracha. Following the rules of Suffolk Brachos Hakel, since there are multiple opinions about this, there, there, there's those that say the Hanas Me'ayim is there. You're getting the benefit in your stomach, so therefore, of course, you should have to you should have to make a bracha on that. But that that is questionable, and there are those that argue and say that no, that's not called eating though. The the, 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 the a bracha has to be on some food that I ate. Here, I'm not eating it, and that, since it's a Suffolk, meaning since there's a machlok, since there is a debate, and it remains in doubt. So since it remains in doubt, therefore we apply the rule of Suffolk Brachos Hakel, the general rule of that, that when you are in doubt, one does not recite a bracha, and you should not make a bracha on intragrassic feeding. But one should, however, try 
to fulfill his obligation by hearing a bracha recited by someone else. The Eitzah that he's giving, the suggestion that he's giving, is that even though there is a Tzad to say, there are those that say that that intragastric tube would require a bracha, you cannot make the bracha because there are opinions that say that you're, you, the person who has the tube, is not, allowed, is not capable of doing so. What that person should try to do is to hear the bracha made by somebody else on some other food, and then there be yote, and then that way you get out of it. Now, the second issue is the type of food that was eating. Someone who eats foul tasting or tasting or repugnant foods does not recite a bracha. So although these foods may provide nutritional benefits, they're considered They're considered something that is like a that's a, that doesn't have a status of food. If I take if I take a stick and I chew on it, or I take something that is that is not food and I and I consume it, right? So then that is not considered an act of eating, and therefore these foods are, are therefore analogous to foods ingested unnaturally. In either in either case, one derives nutritional benefit without performing an act of eating, and therefore one would not be high. So, for instance, someone who drinks olive oil or vinegar does not make a bracha, because olive oil and vinegar are not foods that people usually ingest. So to do so, right, well, that would be considered that, that would be considered not eating. Or someone who eats raw peppercorns, raw ginger, or cocoa powder, you don't make a bracha on those things. Those, even if you, some, and by the way, that, that is true, even if somebody comes along and says, no, but, but I like that stuff. I really like, you know, I don't know if you've ever tasted, I'm sure you, you ladies must have at some point tasted cocoa powder. It's very bitter. It's very it's very hard to eat, very hard to swallow. But if somebody comes along and says, oh, no, but I really, really like it, and they eat it by the spoonful, right? It doesn't matter. The, 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 that With that, we have a principle that's called botna daita etel kolonum, that when you have an individual that's a, that, that has strange taste buds and does... He eats strange things that most other people don't eat. I'm not. We're not talking here now about the a cultural food that perhaps other people eat. That people perhaps uh, that 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 you where you are in the world, people don't eat that. But somewhere else, people actually eat it. We're talking about things that generally, general, generally speaking, people don't eat these things. This is not something that, that people enjoy. So, so the, those types of things you would not make a bracha on. And so similarly, somebody who eats unripe fruits, which because of their bitter or sour taste, are not really edible. You do not make a bracha on those types of things. If, however, the food is edible, albeit with difficulty, meaning one would not eat it unless he was hungry and had nothing else to eat, um, so then you would make a bracha even if you're not hungry. Even though the food may not be pleasant tasting, it provides nutritional benefit and you're, and you're, and you're getting a benefit. Therefore, in contrast to the foods listed above, it is essentially edible and thus eating it is considered an act of akhil. So, for example... Somebody who drinks a raw egg to soothe his throat, right? Like a chazan. You know, they used to say the chazans, they used to gurgle like uh, like uh, raw eggs and, and stuff so to, to make their, their voice to sound fuller. Um, since the egg provides nutritional benefit and is edible with difficulty, but, right? But some people do eat it, then you would make a bracha. So the two main factors to consider are, is the food edible or is it so completely repulsive as to render it inedible and unfit for a bracha. Rotten meat is inedible, right? Even though someone will say, oh, I like raw meat, right? Raw meat, on the other hand, raw meat, I'm not so sure that that would be considered inedible. Most people don't eat raw meat, but there are some people that like their meat uh, raw, close to raw, depending what it is, right? Depending on depending on how it's been, uh, um, 
so so uh, so those types of things would be different. And the second thing is, does the food provide either pleasurable taste or nutritional benefit? And if it does provide either of those two, if it provides neither, then there's no, then it's unfit for a bracha. But if it provides either one of them, then you're already in a place where you make a bracha. Now, we said there's one more condition that's required in order to require a bracha. And that is the person's condition at the time. Someone who's eaten his fill and can eat no more, right? Let's say somebody stuffed himself. He really, you know, he went to one of those New York schmorgs, right? And he just piled his plate and piled it on and piled it on. You know how it is sometimes, I don't know if you ever have this feeling, but sometimes I go to those schmorgs and I'm like, I can't believe that it's such a, such a tra- tragedy to leave that be- unbelievable pepper steak and the, and the chuck, the cut meats and the this and the that. And you're looking and you're like, oh, I, I can't, I'm, I'm going to sit, I'm, I'm going to not eat that stuff. I'm going to go back to Providence. I can't get it for a month. Right. But that you get to a point where it's just like, oh, you can't eat anymore. There's just, it's just too much. You had, or you just, you had, you're ready. You go to, a, you go to a, a restaurant, right. Uh, you know, and, and you order, and you order a, a steak, right? So you order, I don't know, uh, uh, you know, uh, I've been, my son tells me that he went to a place and he ordered a 32 ounce steak, a 32 ounce steak. That's two pounds of meat, right? That's a, that's like a, if you can finish that whole thing, right? I, I don't know. By the time you get through the first pound, pound, 16 ounces, okay. 20 ounces, 24 ounces, 30 ounces by the time, and then there's still steak left on the plate. What, are you going to leave it there? You know what you're paying for that? Every forkful is costing you who knows what, right? So you want to, you still want to eat it, but the, but the reality is you can't eat anymore. Someone who's eaten his phone can eat no more. And indeed, feels a revulsion towards food, recites no bracha if he continues to eat. Continuing to eat at that point. I don't know how he's going to be continuing to eat. I guess they, I guess uh, if he had something that was like mazona, they brought him like a dessert that's mazona, so he brought something that's a different bracha than what he ate already. I don't know how he, he had such a suda without bread or something. But anyway, this type of gluttony is not considered an act of eating. At that point, if you're eating that much that you're, that, you know, if you put another forkful in your mouth, you're just going to throw up. Right, that's called achilagasa. That's called that's called that's called gluttony, and that's not called eating anymore. In the event, in the event, however, that one derives any benefit from the food, if you're still getting a benefit from it, not sure how that could be, right? So then, um, uh, uh, then a bracha would be required. Um, people, the, there are people now just to, to make a bring it home, lemaisa, right? People, there are people now who. Uh, who after COVID, if they eat eggs, they taste the sulfur in the eggs. It tastes very sulfur-like to them. It has like a horrible, rotten egg taste, right? So if such a person were to eat eggs, to eat eggs, and, you know, eating them is just like, even though there's a bent, it's like, it's so gross. It's just like, so tastes so bad to them, right? When they recover, after they recover from COVID, I'm not sure they would make a bracha on eggs at that point. Because, because again, because it tastes so bad to them, and they're not really, they're not, that, that, it's hard to hear how they would actually be getting benefit from something that tastes bad, smells bad, just feels terrible. That's not, so, now, whether the food was eaten for normal eating purposes, we've been, we have seen in the beginning of this section that Achille is defined as the consumption of foods in order to give benefit or pleasure to the body. This definition was further restricted, we said, by the idea of Chazal to exclude any benefit other than normal satisfaction of eating. 
And any enjoyment of food not commonly associated with eating does not require a bracha. So for example, foods eaten for health purposes, but you're not, you know, you're not enjoying the taste of it. You're not enjoying the flavor. You're doing it because you're eating a food that tastes bad to you, but you need the nutrients that that food has. So one who eats distasteful food solely for medicinal purposes does not recite a bracha. When you swallow a pill, or even if you chew a pill, again, assuming that it wasn't made to taste good, right? Let's say, um, let's say you, you had to chew some, so you had some sort of a chewable pill that didn't have a, a good flavored food, or even if it had some flavor to it, but it was the type of flavor that you wouldn't swallow it if you weren't given the choice. Now, you know, uh, a cough medication, you know, a, ch- a child's cough medication that they add like a syrupy t- taste to it, but nobody wants to drink that not when it's not, when it's not medicinally required. So, that um, uh, that's not called a normal nutritional benefit, cannot render the in eating a status of achila. If, however, the food provides even minute pleasure, it requires a bracha, even though it's primarily eaten for medicinal purposes and lacks actual tastiness. Um, if somebody uh, eats Tums, right? Again, you know, I'm not talking about the tropical fruit flavored ones, if those are actually kosher anyways, the flavorings in those, those and some of those is very problematic. I I encourage you if you do buy those tropical tropical fruit flavored ones, make sure to check the hechsher because not all of them are kosher, right? But let's say you take the old uh, regular standard flavored tums. I think they were like a minty flavor, and you don't like mint. You just don't like mint, right? So so and, the, and primarily you're eating it because you have heartburn. You're primarily eating that 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 tums because you have heartburn. Now it could be that some there is somebody out there that actually likes that mint flavor and uh, and would just swallow uh, would swallow tums you know any day any day of the week because they need uh, what it, what was it they used to say you get from tums not only was it not only wasn't only for heartburn but it was for um, uh, to make your bones stronger. What was it? The uh, calcium. Calcium. Thank you very much. It has calcium in it. So you're eating the calcium. You're eating it for the calcium, right? So if you enjoy mint, so then you, even even a little bit, then you would have to make a brach on it. Um, but if you are the type of person, like some of my, I, you know, so the, there are some people that really mint is really disgusting to them. They really don't like that flavor at all. It's a very subjective taste. So the, you wouldn't, so then you wouldn't. Now, he's going to talk specifically about medications now. One who takes tasteless medications recites no bracha. If you take a Tylenol Advil, it doesn't have any taste to it. If you suck on it, the taste is actually pretty terrible, right? Or if you take it in a in a capsule, so then it certainly has no taste in it. So then you there's no bracha on that. Flavored medicines require bracha if they're pleasant tasting, right? Again, that would be like uh, vitamins or something like that. If, however, the medicine is essentially bitter tasting, but it was sweetened or flavored to make it palatable, then no bracha would be recited. Because again, you're not going to eat that medicine. It's just, it's just, it just disguises the taste so that it helps to get it to slide down. But if you actually were like, like sampling it, it, it wouldn't taste so good. Accordingly, one who takes cherry flavored cough syrup recites no bracha. One who has no cough would never consider drinking cough medicine for pleasure. Children's vitamins or aspirins, however, do require a bracha because they taste really good. They make it taste so good that the kids actually want to eat it like candy. If they're pleasant, a child would eat these pills as candy if you were allowed to. So therefore, um, you you would make you would uh, you would do that. It's important here to look at the footnote number thirty eight, um, at thirty seven and thirty eight. I think actually, um, 
The purpose of the sweeteners added to medicines are merely to hide its otherwise offensive taste. Most of those medications taste terrible. You, you put a sweetener onto it, it to hide, it's just, it's, it's, it's kind of coating over the bitter taste. If you kept it in your mouth long enough, the bitterness taste would come through. So even though the medicine has a minimal degree of sweetness, it would not be described as pleasant tasting and one would never think of eating the medication were it not for its medicinal benefits. The difference between this case and, and that noted in, in A above is that in this case, the medicine is not a food, right? If the medicine is actually a food, I don't know, um, you need potassium, so you're eating bananas, right? And even if you don't like bananas, but you're eating bananas for the potassium uh, content, right? You're dehydrated and you need to get more electrolytes into your system. So you're, so you're doing something like that. Uh, whereas in the case of one is eating a food for medicinal purposes, so then that, that would require a bracha. But if it's not a food, it's just a medication that's having the food that's having the bad taste disguised, that does not require a bracha. And I think he's going to clarify that a little bit more in the next footnote, which is this. This paragraph, right, this idea that that it makes a difference, is it the type of thing that I would eat if I wasn't sick, or am I only eating this because I'm sick? This paragraph is based on a discussion with Rosh Hashanah and Arbach, and Rav Arbach reasoned that the taking of medication is not essentially an act of eating for which brachas were instituted. He explains that the Shulchan Aruch who rules that even a minute pleasure of taste is sufficient to require a bracha is referring to actual food eaten for medicinal purposes. That's when I'm eating something that's really food. This is a very, very fine distinction we're making over here. We're saying medications are not food. Medications, the only reason you take medications is because of their medicinal, their their chemical benefit that that they give to you. Whereas foods that have a benefit, right? Let's use my example, your bananas that you're eating for potassium, even if you don't like bananas, right? But at the end of the day, bananas are food. So, and that's something that people regularly eat as opposed to the, as opposed to your um, uh, your uh, Benadryl that, that's got a, a sweet flavor to it. That's not a food. That's not something that somebody normally eats. Um, and even though you might, you might actually, it might momentarily taste good, Going down, it's not something you come back to eat any uh, uh, at a different time. Eating food is inherently an act of eating, provided the food provides any, any, any enjoyment of taste. Medicines, however, are not food. Therefore, the slight pleasure of taste that they may provide is insufficient to give them the status of food. So foods are eaten, medications are taken. Okay, that's an interesting distinction. I don't know, you know, you know do you, are you going to say eat? Eat up, eat up your apple, uh, eat, eat up your, uh, your, your apple, what, what is it called, your apple, your applesauce, or you're going to say, take your vitamins, right? It's a, it's a different way of how you look at what, what you're doing. Rav Arbach added that the children's chewable pills, which taste like candy, and indeed even healthy children would eat them given the opportunity, do require a bracha. But take a look in the, in the response of the Nishma Savram, that's the Rabbi Abraham, Rabbi Dr. Abraham, Abraham. He says that, that Shlomo Zalman and Rav Ovadia said that adult-flavored medications also require bracha. This is a contradiction to the above, unless the Nishas Avram is referring to medications that provide a genuine pleasant taste and are enjoyable to drink. Um, it's hard to know. Like, a, I guess the good example of that would be like the, the, those, those Tums, the ones that they, they flavor besides the mint flavor. If they put other flavors onto it, or even the mint flavor, if you like mints, if that's something that you like, you like after dinner mints. So what's the difference? I take an after dinner mint, or I take a, or I take a, or I take a, take a tums. Uh, there shouldn't be any difference. Okay. 
Now, the, what, the last area that we need to, to, to cover with regard to appropriate brachos is, is when somebody is just tasting something as opposed to eating it. You're cooking and you want it, you're sampling things, do you need to make a bracha? Some authorities take the position that one who tastes food to determine, what, to determine whether or not it needs more spices, you're tasting the chicken soup, you're tasting the chalant, you're tasting the kogel, right? Whatever it is, or whether, uh, uh, um, um, does not recite a bracha. That's some shitas hold it. If, however, in the process of tasting, one eats a significant amount, then even those authorities concede that a bracha must be said. So what's a significant amount? So therefore, one who eats an amount more than a kazayas, the volume of half an egg, the volume of half an egg, um, according to some, a third of an egg, it's not, it's not a, it's a big share that he's saying a half an egg, but um, a kazayas, a solid food, or a revias, the volume of an egg and a half, um, somewhere just over three fluid ounces of liquid, should recite a bracha. Eating, eating this halachically significant amount of food constitutes eating, not tasting. So tasting is when you take one spoon, one little spoonful. But if you take a, a half a cup of, of uh, soup and you drink it down, or you take a, you take a little, you take like a, like a two or three teaspoons of, of uh, two or three te- full teaspoons of, uh, of challenge, right? You're not tasting anymore. At that point, you're actually eating. However, other authorities completely disagree. They maintain that one who swallows food and enjoys its taste, regardless of how small it is, if you're swallowing it and enjoying the taste, in other words, what they're saying is this. If you were just tasting it, you would swish it around in your mouth and spit it out. If you're actually swallowing it and you're getting a benefit, you're enjoying that what you swallowed, so you have to say a bracha, regardless of your intentions. It doesn't make a difference whether or not you're only doing that because you're tasting the food or you're doing that because you are actually choosing to eat, it does shouldn't make any difference. So consequently, even one whose sole intent is to taste the food should recite a bracha. In their view, only one who does not swallow or merely taste the food and subsequently spits it out is free from the obligation to recite a bracha. In this case, since the food is not swallowed, even one who tastes more than a kazayis recites no bracha, doesn't matter how much I took, if I didn't swallow it, then there's no business. So now, since this controversy has not been resolved. This is, again, yet another area where there's a machlokas, there's a debate in halacha as to what one should do. And as we are faced with Suffolk bracha, we're faced with the idea that this is now a Suffolk bracha, and Suffolk bracha salaka, we couldn't let you make a bracha even if we wanted to. Now, therefore, one who tastes food and swallows it may not recite a bracha, but I, so ideally one should avoid the problem entirely and not swallow the food. The best the etza best is don't swallow the food. Or alternatively, if you want to swallow food, so make a bracha, swallow food with the specific intention of eating and enjoying it, um, instead of just saying, I'm only tasting it, um, you actually switch it up and say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a little sampling of it, as opposed to, I'm just, ta- just going to taste it, right? As long as you're having a sampling of it, so then that would trigger the obligation to make a bracha, and you could make a bracha without worrying about whether or not it needed a bracha or it didn't need a bracha, because in that situation, it would actually require a bracha. Okay, we're going to hold over here. Thank you very much. And uh, we'll look forward to getting back to full force next week as we continue with uh, the things that it's not appropriate for making brachos on. And then we'll get into more specific brachos as we go along. Okay, thank you so Thank much. you, Rabbi Good evening.